0: Helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and award-winning psychotherapist.
1: Ronald Reagan once said, peace is not the absence of conflict, it's the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. For many of us, peace is something we want in our families, and we strive to build an environment that fosters its development. Unfortunately, however, for many of us, we can struggle with managing the conflicts that inevitably arise in our families by peaceful means, and we never get to a place of true peace. Today, in part three of our Foundations for a Healthy Family series, we're going to be exploring the story of Abraham and Lot and how to deal with family conflict in a healthy way. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fantastic show. If you want to listen to any past shows, we encourage you to go to our website at com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And I encourage you to listen to part one and part two of our series thus far. You can also call us anytime, toll free at one 877 And we'd be happy to give you more information about our shows as well as this ministry as a whole. My name is Melissa Waggett and I want to send all our listeners a warm welcome this morning. We are so excited that you've decided to join us again. If this is your first time tuning in, in, I want to give you an extra special welcome and direct you back to that website that I mentioned just a moment ago at ElamCounselingMinistry.com. Again, Elam is E-L-I-M, Counseling with two L's, Ministry.com, where you can find all about Elam Counseling Ministries, the services we provide as a professional counseling organization, as well as interesting topics and articles about mental health and relationship issues, as well as past copies of all of our shows thus far. Yeah. <laughs> We also want to remind you that Elam is a nonprofit organization. So, if you've been blessed by our counseling services in the past or you felt ministered by this radio show over the years, we encourage you to consider giving a donation. And all that information can be found on our website. Um, the funds that are provided by gracious donations really allow us to provide our counseling services at a subsidized rate to people who need it the most and to keep this show on air each and every week. So, I encourage you to visit that website or Call our toll-free number at 1-877-544-3546 and um, consider giving that donation today. So with me in studio this morning, I am not alone, thank goodness for myself. I'm very thankful each and every week I am joined in studio by Michael Hart. For those of you who don't know Michael, he is a registered um, psychotherapist. He's also the Director of Elam Counseling Services, and he joins me each and every week to explore these topics. So Michael, I'm so happy to see your smiling face this morning in studio and to get started on another great topic.
0: So happy to be here with you as well, Melissa, and this is maybe over 200 shows that we have done. <laughs> we and, see a lot of ha- each other. And we haven't had any conflict on he- and on the eras yet, so maybe we should maybe start working on that because, as you said, conflict is a good thing and the absence of it is not necessarily healthy. So maybe you and I need to start working on that a little bit.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how the show progresses. <laughs> maybe at the end we can we can have a battle and um, battle it out. The other thing before we get into today's show, Michael, I, I do know you wanted to send a thank you for our listeners. This past weekend's been a special weekend for us. Um, we had our healing retreat and I know you wanted to give a special thanks to people who've been listening.
0: Yes, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for the healing retreat that we had on the 16th to the 18th of November at Providence Point in Lanark. We won't say much about the retreat this week, but next week we'll be giving you some insights or some some uh, information about the success of this retreat, all of, of our retreats. Uh, have been very successful so far, and uh, this retreat is no exception. So we want to thank you very much for praying for us and for your, your continued support of this ministry. We would not be able to do the work that we do without your prayer and without your support.
1: And so today we're going to be uh, looking to the Bible for inspiration. And for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, you'll, you'll quickly see with this show, as much as we explore mental health topics and relationship issues, we we do look for the Bible and our faith as an inspiration and to inform us. Because as we've gone through the shows over these years, there's... I feel like the Bible, when you explore beyond the surface, is almost like your first Psych 101 textbook ever written. There's a lot of value in the people that were introduced to their lives and how they lived it that really speaks to the things we experience each and every day today. And a lot of the mental health things that we see today as well. We see mental illness in the Bible and... What's important is we see how people respond and we can learn from their mistakes and also yes. the good things they did.
0: And it's even more fascinating when we begin to take into consideration some of the the background to the text and Genesis chapter thirteen is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because there's so much so much information there that is not immediately evident unless you know something about what's going on in the culture at the time. So I'll explain a little bit of that as we go. Through the the, the show. But let me uh, read a little bit of that passage. It's in Genesis chapter 13, and it's a story of a conflict that started between an uncle and a nephew, and it was over land and over wealth. And the uncle in this case is Abraham, and the nephew is Lot. So in chapter 13, verse 5, I'll read, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the, Lord, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possession were so great that they were not able to stay together. And the quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and the Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left." Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards The East. So that's a a a portion of the passage that I think is very pertinent to what we're going to be discussing today in today's show about dealing with family conflict. Because I think there are some very, even though this is a very short story, there are some very important principles foundational principles for dealing with conflict that we we find in this story
1: and i love how that you paint the picture it's between an uncle and a nephew over money and land that would never happen today right families never ever fight about money that's not one of those things you see in your practice, right? So it's if, completely unrelatable. If you, if you
0: want to see the ugly side of people come out, let it be over money and about wealth, especially when a will is read and someone feels that they've been given the short end of Perfect. the stick and that someone who isn't deserving of the, 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 the inheritance gets more than someone who felt that they had first right.
1: Okay, so for the... So for those of you listening who think this story is completely unrelatable, <laughs> you've picked something completely out there. No, so-
0: psychologists tell us that when there is conflict in which there is personal interest at stake, so cognitive psychologists such as Janet Metcalf and Walter Mischel uh tells us that there there are two distinct cognitive systems that people use in approaching conflict, hot cognition and cool cognition. So hot cognition is where there is emotional response, where you become angry, and cool cognition is where there is self-regulation and self-control. But they say that when personal interest is involved, when the stakes are high, that the potential for hot cognition or for there to be an emotional response is very, very high. So what is very interesting about this story is that the stakes were indeed very high. You're talking about land and wealth and how this is going to be, be, be dealt with. But we see that Abraham came to this, this conflict with a cool cognition. And uh, the the author in Genesis gives us some insight into to why this may have been so, because in the verse, b- before the verse I started reading in verse five, the verse before that tells us that Abraham first built an altar, and there he called on the name of the Lord. So I believe that that is telling us that part of the way to to. Be, be cool in situations like this to approach things in a way that does not escalate is to first build that altar where you call on the name of the Lord and you seek God's face before embarking on discussion or before dealing in your own strength with situations. Because the stakes are so high that Abraham in his flesh could have easily reacted in an ungodly way. Now I talked earlier about the, the, the richness of this story when we understand the the culture at the time, the background information. One of the important things for us to understand here is that in in those days, Abraham being the older, being the uncle of Lot, would have first choice to the land. He's the patriarch. He's the one around which everything revolves in the family system. So Abraham could have easily said, it's my land. It's my choice. This is my family. You're only a nephew. And I'm going to take first choice. Your herdsmen better find somewhere else to go because I want this land or I want the best land. But Abraham reacted with such magnanimity that he was able to say, let's let's not fight over this. We are brothers. If you choose the left, and he used the word brothers, like he's saying that they're even as close as brothers. We are brothers. You, ch- If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So in other words, Abraham was saying, I am giving up my right in this conflict for the sake of peace, and I'm giving something to you, I'm offering something to you in this conflict. You have the first choice to the best land.
1: So what do you think Abraham's ability to give up that right speaks about his character? Because that's that's a tricky one. Because yes. he, he would have been right by the law and the culture to say, as you say, I get first choice, I can have the best and the most, you get what you get. And
0: he would have been... He would have been he would, well in his rights. Exactly. Yes. So what
1: does it speak to his personality that he was able to give that up?
0: I think it, it speaks to someone who has trust in God, that doesn't matter what happened. God is with me and God is going to take care of the situation. But I find that sometimes even people of faith are unable to do this because there are psychological wounds and barriers that stands in their way. So, for example, someone who is very insecure, who is, who, is, who is afraid of rejection, could be saying, what if I go to my relative and raise this issue? What if I approach this conflict and I am rejected and by this nephew? And so, if someone is insecure and conflict-adverse, they tend to sweep things under the carpet and to even go into the psychological defense of denial and pretend that the conflict isn't really occurring. But this is the kind of conflict that I call it a pregnant conflict because it's the conflict that is expanding and if you leave it unattended the herds will continue to grow there will be more and more conflict between the herdsmen and the situation has the potential to become to become uh even even a bigger a bigger uh Become a state of chaos, and so Abraham, seeing this conflict expanding, said, "I have to. I have to deal with it." So people who have low self-esteem or a conflict adverse, but people who also have wrong patterns of conflict depicted to them in their childhood, often finds it hard to approach conflict and to deal with it in the way Abraham did. For example, if you grew up in a home where whenever there is conflict, there is a lot of domestic violence, there are objects flying, and people are going to the hospital or people are hurt, then when you think of conflict in in your adult life, you're likely to think that this is going to get really ugly. And so you are avoiding conflict because of how you have been programmed to see it from your childhood.
1: If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. This week is part three of our Foundations for a Healthy Family series, and we're exploring Abraham and Lot and how to deal with family conflict. If you've missed the first part of today's show, I encourage you to visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E L I M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us toll free at 1 877 544 3546, and we'd be happy to connect you with a copy of today's show. So, Michael, I know you've alluded to this off the top, and we've just explored how and why Abraham probably was able to deal with the conflict that arose between him and Lot in the way that he did. And as I say, we've talked about um, conflict in the past. And one of the things you've mentioned is conflict can be quite productive. Yes. And I'm wondering if you can explore that a little bit about what makes conflict productive and why this isn't something we should ignore or brush under the rug. Yes. And what fruit can come out of that for us?
0: In answering this, I'm going to be drawing on some of the work that was done by Janet Metcalf and Walter Mischel in their book, Teeming, How Organizations Learn, Innovate, and Compete in the Knowledge Economy. And in this uh, book, they talk about certain principles. I've already referred to their idea of hot cognition versus cool cognition. And in this book, they talk about productive conflict, that there are certain elements that must be present for productive conflict to take place. But they preface that by saying conflict is natural and normal. So the first part of a healthy organization or a healthy family is to realize that conflicts are inevitable if people are invested in the relationship. Because where personal needs are involved, where values are involved, then there is going to be conflict. So we shouldn't see conflict of something that is strange and out of the ordinary when it begins to happen. The second thing is that when there is conflict, they say that the conflict has to be has to be talked about and addressed, not swept under the carpet. Because as we see in the story of Abraham and Lot, if Abraham were to sweep this under the carpet, the situation would just become more explosive, as we have said before. But we also see another very important strategy used by Abraham in in this simple but profound, short, I should say, but profound story in which Abraham explored Options towards the settlement of the, of the conflict. And he's not given just one option. He's saying, let's look at the possible ways that we can deal with this. By saying, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He's saying, there is a way in which this can be dealt with. There are some options. There's an option to the left. There's an option to the right. And one of us can either go to the left or go to the right. But I think this is the way that this conflict has to be dealt with. So psychologists tell us that that we we have to explore options but they also say that for a conflict to be productive we have to avoid emotional reaction. And uh, emotional reaction, sometimes we feel that when there's a conflict, if we speak louder or we shout more or we, we throw a temper tantrum that we are going to win the other person over to our way or they're going to hear us more. But sometimes by more emotions, you're being heard less. And then they, they, they talk about understanding that win-lose scenarios are not the best result. So if you have a situation where Abraham is creating a win-lose scenario of Abraham went into that saying I have first preference I am the I am the the patriarch here and I'm going to choose the best and you and your herdsmen better do with what's left you know go find your way go make it somewhere else then yes he had the right to do that but is that in the best interest of family unity and the long term the long-term cohesiveness of the family. So Abraham is using a lot of wisdom here, and many of these principles that that the psychologist, cognitive psychologist, talks about, are supported by the scripture. For example, confronting issue. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter eighteen that if our brother sins, and the implication is that if they sin against us, that we should go to our brother, and between the two of us, we should show him or us, we should show him his fault. Right, So we see that Abraham did that. He, 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 he exemplified in, in how he dealt with this conflict, this New Testament principle, by calling Lot aside and saying, this is what is happening, let's not fight. Some people who hide behind power in organization would not have dealt with it that way. What they would do is that they would call a big board meeting with all the herdsmen on both sides, and then they would uh, belittle uh, Lot by making it seem as if he's the problem. But Abraham dealt with it with grace by going to him directly and offering him as, uh, uh, and giving him options.
1: What other lessons can we draw from this story and how Abraham went appro- went about approaching the conflict he was experiencing with Lot?
0: Another lesson that we think we can, we can learn from this story is that when you act in ways that are not selfish, when you sometimes... Uh, deal with things with the the bigger objective in mind, it may mean that sometimes you might have to give up your immediate right. Your right in every situation is not necessarily the best best, uh, choice or the best pathway to take. So even though Abraham had the first choice to the land, being the patriarch, and had first right, he gave that up and sometimes we need to think about the bigger picture instead of winning this particular argument over something that might not be even important and uh, making the other person feel less than sometimes it means that you you don't have to, to 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 claim you're right just because you're right but in the story we see another principle at stake here melissa because in the action of lot we see that there is a self-centeredness inherent uh, that is exhibited, I should say, by his actions. Abraham came and Abraham gave up his right. Abraham gave him something, maybe with the expectation that Lot would also be fair and give something in return. But Lot, by his actions, showed an alarming level of self-centeredness. In other words, the, the way that he acted the Bible tells us that he chose the whole land of the Jordan that was well watered for himself. So he chose the best and gave his uncle, who is the older the second choice. So Lot, by that self-centeredness, was setting up a situation where he, Abram is trying to create a win-win situation, and Lot, by his action, is turning this into a win-lose situation. And win-lose situation in relationship never works out. Selfishness never gets us our needs met It always has repercussions, as we see in this story later on.
1: And so I'm wondering if you can go into a little bit about how this plays out later on, because I'm a bit of a justice person in my brain. And when, as you were describing that, I was getting infuriated for Abraham because he mm. was doing the right thing and he still seemed to not win at the outset. Yes. And you see Lot getting everything that he wants for basically doing nothing. But how do we see the story of Lot evolve, and how does it link back to that self-centered approach he took off the outset?
0: As the story unfolds, we 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 see that the 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 author is giving us certain hint as to what is happening in the hearts of both men. So we have these interesting contrasts where we are told that where Lot is heading, that it's a place where there is wickedness, and there is there, these people are sinning greatly against the Lord. And this this passage also tells us that where Abraham went to live, that he pitched his tent there and he built an altar to the Lord. So there is this contrast that is given in the story to say one is heading towards selfishness, where there is this uh, sinfulness and and wickedness that is happening, and the other person is heading towards. Uh, a pathway of righteousness, where an altar has been built to the Lord. So I think that that choice clearly states that when you act in ways that are godly, you either set up yourself for blessing or you set up yourself for for bad things when you act in ungodly ways. So the curse of Abraham, not the curse of him, but the, the curse of Lot is seen in what befalls Lot in, in, in this story. We are told in in chapter 14 of Genesis, that the land that he chose, that there was a war that broke out there, that kings invaded the land, and that Lot was taken captive, not just Lot, but Lot and the woman in his household and all his possession, everything that he worked for was taken captive, was taken away by these kings. But what is interesting in this story, Melissa, that shows us Abraham's heart is that we are told that despite everything that Lot did in being selfish that Abraham set out with all the men of his household. The Bible tells us in in chapter 14 that he chose 318 well-trained men of his household and set out to rescue his nephew who had just acted in such a selfish way.
1: And we talked about this at the beginning of the show. It's significant as well because Abraham basically put himself and his household at risk to save Lot who... Frankly at the time he could have looked at it and said, Ha ha ha, you got what you deserve. There yes. goes my, my nephew reaping what he's sown, yes. so to speak. Yeah.
0: Some of us would look at it that way, it's, it's poetic justice. Now you're getting what you what you deserve. You're selfish. You chose that land thinking it was the best and now look what's happening to you. You had it coming. But I think it shows us again the, the, the heart of Abraham that he was able to be so generous in in this regard.
1: So how can we begin to foster this Abraham attitude within our family? If we are faced with a family full of lots and you seem to be the one giving and giving and giving, how do you begin to mend those bridges and get to those healthier places?
0: Okay, so first of all, let me say that the way Abraham was acting here was not just out of some insecurity where he's a doormat and he's making lot walk all over him. This is a well thought out action on lot on abraham's part where as i said before it started in verse 4 of chapter 13 where we are told that he built an altar to the lord and we are told again in verse 18 that after all of this was addressed and even after after what happened with 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 lot that he went out again and he built an altar to the Lord in verse 18. So when we see this kind of repetition, it serves the repetition of building an altar to the Lord in the first part of the chapter and in verse 18 is what we call a, a literary device that's called inclusio, in, in which there are th- these, re- this repetition serves as a bookend. And the, 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 what's at the beginning of the passage and at the end of the two bookends, we are, we are totally built an altar to the Lord, is saying what comes in the middle is very, very important. And what this is saying to us is that Abraham was able to do this because he was a God-centered man is 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 his purpose of doing things was all about the Lord. And so in family systems where people are are believe that there is a higher power who will bring justice despite of others treat them, where people believe that there is someone in charge that will work on their behalf, even if they're treated unfairly, people are more likely to be kind and giving the way Abraham was, as opposed to if you feel, I have to do this all by myself, and if I don't act in a way that's selfish and fight for my right, then I am never going to have anything. So I think that mindset is it's, it's very huge in this story.
1: And so with the little time we have left, I'm wondering if you can share any remaining insights that you may have about this story or about conflicts in families and how we can address it.
0: Yes, I think one of the interesting things that we we see in this story is that not every conflict is reconcilable. Despite the fact that Abraham did everything right, the, the situation was of such that they still had to part ways. And there are some situations that despite your best effort to bring peace, the godly to do might be to part ways and I know that is very hard uh, that the story of the prodigal son and the father in the New Testament was a parting of ways the father could have insisted that inheritance not been given but the best thing to do in that situation was to part ways so not every situation is reconcilable but I think the way that we go about conflict should never be a way that creates animosity and anger and bitterness with the other person that's the last insight i would like to to leave today because we see that abraham didn't create that short so of time today so we want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the live transformation show if you'd like to hear more about this or any of the other episodes that we have done please give us a call at one 544 3546 or go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com so until next time this is your host michael hart
1: and melissa waggett
0: praying together that god would Bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.